0: This is Cass Club Radio.
1: Brought to you by Heritage Distilling.
0: On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends.
1: Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life.
0: It's Cass Club
1: Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel.
2: Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thank you so much for joining us in studio today. My name is Lydia Cruz.
0: And I'm Justin Stiefel.
2: And I'm Maura Dooley. And we have officially reached December 1st. The countdown is on. The holiday countdown is on. Start of Hanukkah really early this year. It's just two days away. And of course, today, the first day you can open up your advent calendar.
0: The first day you're supposed to open, oh, that's not I cheating. assume some people have been opening early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been guilty as of I, that
2: in the past, yeah.
0: As I tell people, I'm on advent of 2025 already, so yeah, I'm, just working I'm quite ahead, ahead on of They say don't view.
2: procrastinate, Justin. You're just working ahead. That's <laughs> fine.
0: That's right, that's right. We're already in the next presidential administration on advent calendars, so that's good. There you go. Um, anything new happened in the last week of interest for you two?
2: I'm just sort of recovering from holiday number one and moving into yep. uh, the prep for holiday number two, trying to get my shopping done, and, yeah, looking forward to it. I just love this time of year. When The one blessing of getting up at, you know, 3.30 in the morning and driving to work early is I get to see everybody's Christmas lights now because a lot of them are still on uh, overnight, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a wonderful sight to drive to work with all of the lights in the city, and it's kind of quiet, so... I've been uh, I've been falling in love with that.
0: That's good. How about you, Mara?
3: Well, I like that Lydia looks on the bright side of things about driving <laughs> to work at three thirty in the morning because there's not a lot to love there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: You know, the holidays can bring it out in you, though. Yeah. How about you? Are you Are you prepping for the the holidays in any way?
0: Yeah, we're in full swing. At home and at the distillery, so yeah, today is the first day of Advent Calendar usage for people. We still have a few left to sell. We we are going to have a record sales this year for Advent Calendars. We're getting people waiting in line for the eggnog at the various tasting rooms we have. The eggnog is locally made. It's incredible. Interesting news this week. The most recent lander for Mars landed on Monday successfully. Uh, you know, that's always... Always a uh, interesting time, and uh, I got to do something last week that I've never done before. I went and saw Trans Siberian Orchestra at the Tacoma Dome on Sunday, and it was a great show.
3: That's pretty darn cool. They're amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing musicians.
2: And uh, did you get the whole family there?
0: Yeah, took uh, took the kids and In Jennifer fact. and I went. And uh, it, you know, the, this year they had the lead guitarist for ACDC playing, and she's nice. an incredible incredible collection of musicians and most people don't know there are two trans-siberian orchestras all part of the same family but one group plays the western half of the u.s the other group plays the eastern half Ah. of the u.s so you'll see shows happening simultaneously up and down uh, the two coasts all december and that's how they get the the full impact of uh, exposure throughout the country
3: i did not know that
0: yeah it's pretty cool uh good buddy my name Russ uh, Allen is the lead singer for the East Coast version of that. And so, yeah. Interesting trivia that you get here on Cast Club Radio.
2: (laughs) Love it. Always learning something new. Speaking of which, what's going on in the headlines this week?
0: Well, a couple of interesting stories this week. Uh, We've talked a little bit about China in the past and their consumption habits, and uh, this comes to us from The Drinks Business, which is a very good publication for uh, the adult beverage industry. According to this article, the Chinese consumer doesn't care about food or wine pairings. Now, What do they mean by that? So here in the U.S. and specifically within kind of the foodie industry in the U.S., we're always interested. How do I pair this wine? What does this red go with? What does this white go with? How do I consume this? Is it with chicken or pork or fish or whatever? In Europe, they want to enjoy great wine because they have a long history of wine. Well, in China, they're less worried about that. They are consumed, to use a pun, with (laughs) prestige and status rather than just consuming wine for the enjoyment. China would be drinking about forty about 80% white wine if they really were focusing on matching their cuisine with the wine, about 80%. In reality, they only consume 5% white wine, of the wine they consume is red wine. That's because the French have done a very good job of coming over there as a group and educating them, quote-unquote, that French wine is the best wine and therefore the Chinese consumer should only focus on French wine if they want to drink the best products. And I've been at trade shows where you see Italian winemakers are there trying to sell Italian wine to the buyers, and the Chinese are not having it because it's not French wine because the French told them French wine is better. So um, China, once again, is focused on status and what does it look like when you're consuming products, not necessarily the quality of the product as a whole.
2: Well, it's fascinating from even like a marketing perspective, as you mentioned, how companies change their marketing strategy based on that. I, that would be fascinating.
0: It is. It's interesting to watch the uh, the trade shows uh, and just watch the, the consumer habits over there. It's completely foreign to us.
2: What else is going on in the news?
0: Interesting. The curling team in uh, Alberta has been banned from a curling tournament for being, according to the news article here, so, so drunk. Um, (laughs) uh, That's a quote. The team... Uh, was disqualified from the Red Deer Curling Classic during the fourth game, which was an elimination game, when their behavior forced the manager of the curling facility to give them the heave-ho after numerous complaints. Not only was the squad reportedly drunk, but they caused damage to the locker room throughout the weekend, smashed the brooms into the ice, which of course creates divots and then the the, uh, stone won't won't, uh, roll nicely. They kicked the stones, which are all curling no-nos. They were banned from the tournament in perpetuity. The uh, interesting thing here is that uh, there's a $35,000 purse and the winning team was estimated to take home ten grand. So um, uh, they won the, the gold medal back in 2014 and yet here they were tossed from the curling tournament. So,
3: it's um, a potentially expensive day of drinking. It is, very. More
2: ways is. than one.
0: it is. Yeah. So, Lydia, when you go up next year to participate in this tournament, you uh, just got to tone down your <laughs> consumption, okay? So you don't all get All right.
3: I've been warned, you know? <laughs> Seems like a sport where you may be able to get away with being slightly tipsy, but uh, maybe just, you know, don't be so destructive.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's <laughs> one of the sports that, whenever I watch it, A, these athletes are extremely talented, but it's also, there's no set body type or, you mm-hmm. know, curlers are all. Uh, Wonderful shapes and sizes. So, yeah, I could see, like, you'd still be an athlete and be a fan of consuming a few adult beverages. So all in moderation, yeah, but though. That's the important part.
0: But, you know, you, at a tournament where there's real money in the line, you typically don't see people alcohol. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's where the mix was here, and the priorities were, were misplaced, shall we say. And uh, lastly in the news, uh, Macallan, which is a tremendous brand of scotch whiskey, uh, got a great historic brand. They are offering a private jet, yacht, and whiskey experience for guess how many dollars U.S. dollars? Five
3: thousand.
0: Five thousand. Five thousand. <laughs> uh, forty-six thousand oh, dollars for this what? exclusive trip, and uh, this follows on the heels. If you remember, about six weeks ago, we talked about a really exclusive whiskey pairing that was mm-hmm. about sixty-five grand, where they would fly you in and the hotel and the whole thing. Well, this one is forty-six thousand. It's brand new in the luxury travel a uh, private jet from New York to Miami, uh, private yacht. The You go from New York's Teterboro Airport, where you can sample whiskeys, including uh, special releases set aside from the production masters, rare cask, uh, reflection, McAllen Number 6, and McAllen M class, all on board uh, with a private chef. Um, you arrive in Florida. You then take a chartered yacht to Miami. It's a fully customizable experience. Only for forty-six thousand dollars. If you have uh, that special someone in mind, and forty-six thousand, these start. <laughs> there you go. Uh, these trips start in March of two thousand nineteen. So put it on your calendar now.
2: Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we mentioned it earlier. Learn something new every day on this show. And as uh, lovers of beer, wine, and spirits, well, we've got everything that you maybe didn't know about the history of beer. And there's some pretty incredible facts in here. You do not want to miss it. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for joining us on this fine Saturday, December 1st. We're all about learning new things on this show, especially about beer, wine, and spirits. And we found a great collection of facts, courtesy of msn.com. Things you didn't know about the history of beer, which is one of the most widely consumed beverages and one that I think everybody either on the show has enjoyed, uh, knows someone who enjoys. And uh, the history is pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, so interesting. Beer dates back to ancient Mesopotamia, which is, of course, the cradle of uh, human civilization as we know it today, at least historically. The archaeologists think that it held an important role in terms of being safer to drink the water. It's because microorganisms were boiled out of the water to make the beer and uh, contain nutrients absence from other drinks. And the archaeologists that go back to this particular a study which covers part of what today is considered Iran ironic since uh, you know the Shah has outlawed alcohol in Iran uh, but the brewing there goes back 3500 to 3100 uh, years uh, BC so really 5,000 years uh, from from where we are today and we uh, think what's interesting about this uh, MSN collection of uh, historic pieces um, is the various uh, ways around the world that beer has changed as as uh, civilization has moved and migrated and grown and devapt, uh, adapted and developed. So uh, number one on the list here is the religious practice uh, focused on brewing uh, related to the Sumerian goddess Nankazi.
2: Which has probably been part of the inspiration for the beer brand Nankazi, I would guess.
0: Yeah, Nankazi is headquartered Nankazi Brewing Company, headquartered down in Eugene, Oregon, one of the larger craft brewers of the uh, Pacific Northwest. Interesting, there is also a Sumerian Brewing Company here in Washington State. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to legend, Nankazi was worshipped as the goddess of beer, and the hymn to Nankazi was a worship song slash beer recipe that was passed down orally. In recent years, modern scholars have recreated the ancient brewing process based on clay tablets that recorded the hymn, and apparently... The song and the beer recipe both weren't half bad.
3: I would like to try that. I would love to try the ancient Egyptian process of brewing. Apparently, they say that there's no boiling and no sterilizing. I I mean, it it, it sounds like it might not taste that good, but apparently they're saying it's not bad. And and it would just be cool to say you tried it. And
2: and you could say it was, you know, a religious practice, a religious experience.
0: That's right. I did find it interesting that there is no boiling, that you take uh, half the grain, put it in cold water half the grain in hot water as you heat up the hot water, but not to a boil. Then you mix them together. What's happening is that hot water is releasing the enzymes and breaking down the starches, and then that will go into the grain in the cold water and does all the work of converting all that starch into sugar and allowing the fermentation process to then take hold. And uh, because you're not boiling it, I assume the flavor profile is very different. And uh, that would be an interesting experiment to run. I don't know how many people are doing that today because they are worried about bacteria and wanting to kill all the bacteria.
3: It's just astonishing what people were able to come up with back then.
0: Well, they didn't have the internet, and they had lots of time. (laughs) Uh, Next up on the list, going from Mesopotamia around into what is now China, into Asia, and archaeologists found evidence of beer going back 5,000 years. Wow. Wow. What I found most interesting about the Chinese recipe is the mix of components they used. So they used something called broom corn millet, barley, Job's Tears. I've not heard of Job's Tears. It's, I like guess, <laughs> no. a kind of ancient grain. Ow. And tubers. Tubers are potatoes. Yeah. Uh, and so they have this mix of corn, millet, barley, Job's Tears, and tubers to make the beer. And the scientists who've done the study and research of this uh, archaeologically think the barley was introduced into central China specifically for the purpose of beer making, because barley is the main component of of converting all that starch to the sugar.
3: Seems like it would work better than potatoes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Potatoes are about 90% starch. And so if you're trying to get that starch to convert to sugar to make alcohol, that would be the richest source of starch for your alcohol. Ah. Yeah. And thus the barley required to convert the starch into sugars.
3: Very interesting.
0: Next up, uh we talk about um the religious aspects and here's one reason to go join a monastery uh, that is the monks in sixth century um, uh, sixth century life uh at the direction of Saint Benedict. they were sustaining themselves with their own handiwork, so they lived in the monasteries and they grew and made everything that they consumed, very little contact with the outside world and one of the things they came up with was beer and uh <laughs> beer operations uh, that are still built today and in full operation, and the recipes and the types of uh, methods and processes they used are still studied and used today, and one of the things uh, that was interesting was they found that the uh, one of the benefits of using hops was it created the uh, preservatives necessary to let beer stay uh, longer. Back then, they did not have chilling like we have, no, no refrigeration, no coolers, none of that stuff.
3: Which kind of, uh, it looks like it kind of led to the discovery or, or branding of lager, huh?
0: It did. So if you look at the uh, monasteries in uh, Bohemia, Bavaria, that what we think of today is that uh, kind of German-Australian-Northern uh, Alps part of Europe. The cold climate and that uh, experience led to Germany and the Czech Republic making the first batches of Western world lagers. Until the Middle Ages, brewers were known to history as ales. Lager means to store in German. And so when German brewers began storing their beers in the icy caves of the Alps, they accidentally began culturing bottom-fermenting yeasts rather than top-fermenting yeasts, which are more susceptible to damage from hot weather. And according to uh, our friends at Beer Hunter, the lager style of beer was born, which is why it tastes different, has a different look, character, mouthfeel, and is a completely different type of beer. It's
2: pretty fascinating to me that um, religion and science were working so well hand-in-hand hand together back in the day, whether it was out of necessity or just a marriage of convenience. But it's pretty interesting that there is such a focus on, on studying the science of these processes.
0: Well, if you think back in history, religion was science. If you were practicing science outside the confines of the church, you were actually participating in witchcraft or heresy. And so uh, this is where the whole flat earth society came to be and why people like Galileo and others were so important to our current modern understanding of the scientific world around us. So uh, back then, the church was acting as chief scientists, rightly or wrongly. And the result of that is we have beer, beer today, because of right? it
2: yes well since we covered a lot of the ancient history of of brewing how about this fact homebrewing only became legal in all 50 states in 2013 i was kind of shocked wow. to hear this i've known a lot
3: of homebrewers yeah. since before that time. right
0: <laughs> that's right so you know when we talk about alcohol production there are always two sets of laws that govern one is the federal alcohol act and the others are all the state laws uh jimmy carter did away with federal taxation on home brewers in 1978 think about that if you were making beer at home you technically had to fill out a tax form and pay the federal tax on the beer you made at home he got rid of that in 1978 that led the way for all these home brewers to then perfect their hobby and go open microbreweries of which there are about 5,000 nationwide 2013, Mississippi and Alabama became the last two states to uh, allow homebrewing to become legal. Prior to 2013 in either Mississippi or Alabama, if you were making beer at home, you were breaking state law, and uh, nobody wants to go to a state penitentiary in Mississippi or Alabama, I can guarantee you that.
3: Over beer at home, no.
2: Mm
0: -mm. (laughs) Over beer at home.
2: Well, there's plenty more amazing facts about the history of beer, the history of the brewing process. Unfortunately, we're running out of time today, but you can uh, check this list out, the full list available at heritagedistilling.com. We'll make that available to you in case you want a little history lesson on one of your favorite beverages
0: check it out and impress your friends with interesting knowledge around the holiday dinner table
3: that's right and something else you can do this holiday season with friends is head down to safeco field for enchant they've turned the entire field into a winter wonderland there's ice skating there's music food drinks a maze there's even a night you can bring your dog we're going to talk to jordan birch to find out all the details next on cast club radio
2: Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. The holidays in full swing coming up. And there's a lot of options for you to do cool things in Seattle, but nothing quite like what's going on at Safeco Field this year with Enchant. And right now we're joined by our guest, Jordan Birch, general manager of Enchant Christmas, to tell us about this once-in-a-lifetime event that they're having at Safeco Field this year. This is pretty cool. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
2: Now, Enchant has been other places before, right? So Seattle, it's new to Seattle, but people have experienced this cool event.
1: Yeah, so the history of Enchant, we started out uh, as a company hanging Christmas lights on people's homes uh, about uh, eight years ago, Uh and that kind of developed into taking on larger projects with malls and uh, resorts and and municipalities, and and then developing these sculptures um, that we would add to our installations, and, and then it all kind of culminated in 2016 in Vancouver, Canada, where we're from, with the first ever Enchant in Vancouver. It was it was so well-received and, and it was such a hit that we ended up creating a big problem because we had one-tenth of the city population come <laughs> up to the event. And, um, you know, we thought we were situated in a good place uh, with transit, but there were so many guests, uh, even from Washington, we had over 16,000 come up for the event, and so parking was a real challenge. And... and long story short we weren't able to get the same space back again and working with such large structures as we are it's really important that we have a large flat area to work with access to parking and access to transit so we weren't able to go back to vancouver in 2017 and we pursued an option we had to work with the texas rangers out in arlington texas so last year was our u.s debut in arlington texas and it was just a, again, a really big success, brought a whole ton of people out, and uh, we were invited to come back, and come back inside the ballpark, um, so this year, um, we are the honor of hosting our first year in Seattle, in Safeco Field, and then we're also here in Arlington, Texas, at Globe Life Park, and so, yeah, it's, it's a really, really amazing experience to be able to work inside these incredible buildings, um, in particular, Safeco, which I'm I'm very familiar with coming down from Vancouver often um, and having yeah. the roof over our heads Yay, <laughs> with, yeah um, with the rain it's uh, <laughs> it's just it couldn't be any better
2: now you mentioned there's so many different elements to enchant but you mentioned those working with big structures what exactly do you mean when you're talking about working with those big structures
1: so uh, when you come to enchant uh, the the big draw is that we're the large we're the world's largest Christmas light maze and we have structures that are Upwards of 80 feet tall in uh, in Seattle, we have these huge walk through pieces. Um, they're really great for for family photos, also great for date nights, and also very popular um, for proposals.
0: Oh. We uh, <laughs> we ended up
1: having uh, 60 proposals last year in oh in Arlington. No way! And we had so many requests already this year in both cities to make a chance at the place where they they popped the question and share that special moment. So. Yeah, we're just so honored that, that people include us in, in their their life story this way and, and we're able to be a part of that memory. So yeah, our goal is to create these really unique, really remarkable structures of Christmas lights and and kind of on theme with with the holidays.
2: Yeah, it's kind of unfair that we're on the radio right now and we can't fully do it justice, but it's definitely something that you have to see in person. You have to see it for yourself because it is so magical. You mentioned the Christmas light maze. What else is going on in a chant, though, that you can't really do anywhere else?
1: Well, we also have the, on the field, we have a 8,500 square foot ice skating trail. So, cool. so we, we didn't have ice skating in Vancouver our first year. We added it last year, and this year we wanted to take it to the next level by creating a trail where you're actually skating through these lit up structures. And yeah, it's just a really unique experience you can't uh, find anywhere else around Washington. And so we wanted to bring that to our guests. Also, our good friend Santa and Mrs. Claus. The real Santa and <laughs> yes, Mrs. Claus. Yes, of course. Uh, you can talk on his beard and everything. <laughs> um, they're they're with us. So Santa's, you know, listening to uh, the wishes of, of uh, his young fans,
3: mm-hmm. And the
1: Mrs. Claus is sharing stories with the kids as well and uh, just creating some, some good memories there. We also have um, a, a really awesome selection of local vendors selling products in our Christmas market, we have vendors from from Seattle Made and Urban Craft Uprising, mm-hmm. as well as a number of other really great um, local vendors selling their products. And um, that's one of the great things about the setups we have in Stakesville Field because our vendor market is on the concourse. So as you walk around um, to enter the maze and exit the maze and go, you know, to to get food, uh, we have this uh, Christmas market and all these vendors in that. In that area as well so you're able to to take a look at everybody and get a, a good idea of these excellent gifts you can buy for your family that are very unique you know gifts you can get for the holidays
2: and still supporting like you said the local community because the story behind enchant sounds like it was a small enterprise that grew into this big thing so still honoring the local community is a pretty cool thing especially the pacific northwest we love to support our our local our local people so that is very cool uh, now, Mora and I have been talking about this. We really want to make a trip down there. Uh, what is the food and drink situation as well? Because I heard you can also get some some pretty delicious stuff.
1: Yeah, so we worked with Center Plate at uh, State Field to take some of the equipment that they have uh, in their concession stands and to be able to offer a more holiday focused offering um, for for the guests. So uh, there's a number of different things you can try. There's also, of course, the local favorites. You know, Ivors, um, the the cricket. Which are very popular oh, yes, yeah. At, uh, baseball games. <laughs> so you can still get your crickets. Um, and then we also have, you know, some uh, specialty holiday drinks with mulled wine, hot um, chocolate, yeah. um, spiked hot chocolate and coffee. And yeah, we also have some, some great entertainment areas as well. We have some amazing acts that come through our stage in the pen uh, where we have Petal One. And bullet bar set up there. They've got a really beautiful lounge where you can come and enjoy the music and enjoy some unique holiday cocktails. And and here's again some local community acts that um, that we're so proud to be hosting on our stage.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say, more and I both also have dogs, and I saw that you guys have a really cool event. You do a couple of these themed nights, and Paws and Claws is this is this one that's coming up in December.
1: Yeah, so we had our first pause and Claws night last night and we had over 700 dogs. Um wow. and uh coming out and you know for us, you know for me personally like my wife and I, we have our dog, uh, he comes down with us to Seattle and we're living there, you know, through mid-January and it's just so great the community and people they just love their dogs and there's so many great restaurants you can go and you can watch a Seahawks game with your dog. Mm-hmm. It's just like I just we just love that about the city and so um, with that in mind we wanted to create some nights that reflect that that, that love for pets and so um, we had our first one last night 700 dogs came out had a great time uh, they the only thing they weren't allowed to do is ice skate <laughs> yeah. um, Good. But, Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything else they were participating in so you can get your photo with Santa you can get your photos in the maze uh, and different um, ops that we have as well and so our next one is December 27th um, so you can buy your tickets online for that and book ahead. But, uh, yeah, we're we're so excited to be able to have those types of nights as well to, to bring our four-legged family members out.
2: But there's some pretty good costumes involved in that, too, maybe.
1: Oh, definitely.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing I love more than dressed-up dogs. Yes. Um, well, it sounds like there's a little something for everyone. There's there's stuff for the kids. There's stuff for, like you said, a date night. You can even do some of your Christmas shopping. How much uh, time should people allow themselves when they go? And then how do the times work when you buy tickets?
1: Well, I generally guests stay uh, between two uh, hours, around two hours, two and a half hours. And it depends on the experience. People generally stay a bit longer when they do the VIP experience. Uh, we have two VIP opportunities. One is in the Diamond Club, which is family-friendly. Uh, VIP includes your your uh, buffet meal as well as unlimited uh, non-alcoholic drinks. And we also have a 21-plus VIP for date night uh, up in the Hit it Here Cafe. And so up in Hit it Here, you have this beautiful overview of the whole maze, and it's uh, a really neat spot to connect one-on-one um, or, you know, with a group of friends that are looking to leave the kids at home and just have, uh, have a nice date night.
2: And maybe you'll want to do both, uh, you know. Maybe you'll bring your family one night and then hire a babysitter and uh, have a date night a different night.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, And as far as the uh, the time windows go we have uh, time windows arrival windows that we uh we have their one hour blocks and and the intention for that is to hope that um, guests come in with that window so that we can minimize any waits in line we want to ensure people have a really great experience and can flow through without a lot of delays and so that's the intention behind the arrival time window uh, certainly not a hard and fast rule if you have a five to six window and you get stuck in traffic or something happens you'll still be allowed in the only thing we don't really permit is if you have an eight o'clock ticket you can't come in at 4 p.m because it just we, again that overcrowding piece we want to make sure that people have a really great experience so you'll notice that when you buy the tickets there's arrival time windows that you'll buy
2: speaking of those tickets uh jordan where can people get them
1: they can go to EnchantChristmas.com and just select uh, City Seattle, and you can purchase your tickets right there.
2: Sounds pretty, yeah, easy and painless, and Moore and I are definitely excited to come down and check this out.
1: Awesome. I look forward to hosting you.
2: Yes, Jordan, thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your schedule, out of hanging with your dog and your family to, <laughs> to uh, chat with us today about this one-of-a-kind event that's
3: happening in Seattle. Thank you so much. Coming up next on Cast Club Radio, the holidays can mean a lot of extra parties, extra outings. We have a list of some of the more bizarre things people have done when they've maybe gotten a little too festive. That's coming up next on Cast Club Radio.
2: Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for joining us in a few minutes. We've got a great new cocktail recipe for you, perfect for the holiday season. But speaking of the holiday season, that also means parties are coming around. You're starting to plan and get ready for them. And we here at Cast Club Radio, we love to enjoy beer, wine, and spirits. But we also are firm advocates of drinking responsibly in moderation And uh, when you're thinking about those holiday parties ahead, we found this list of funny and bizarre things people have done when they weren't observing moderation. Maybe some ridiculous things that they have done while drunk.
0: Yeah, this comes, again, uh, from our friends at thedrinksbusiness.com. They helped assemble these 14 funny and bizarre things people have done while drunk, and we'll just pick uh, our top three and uh, encourage you to go to the link and read all 14 so the first one mara you found this tell us about it
3: <laughs> yes the headline is drunk man Performs cpr on rubber dinghy oh. <laughs> um, in march 2015 yeah. a uh, well-meaning frenchman was so drunk that he found himself trying to resuscitate a rubber dinghy believing it to be a dying person apparently police officers discovered him he was a 22 year old Giving the dinghy mouth to mouth and a heart massage, trying to add in that uh CPR factor. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that I've ever been that drunk. Yeah, I can't I can't say <laughs> I have either. At least his
2: instincts were to be helpful yeah. and to to He's save a, mean a person. No, not at all. Thinking of others, just maybe not alive others at that moment.
0: <laughs> well, I don't want to judge. I mean, whatever floats your boat.
3: Oh, oh so <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
2: <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, the next one we found, and uh, Lydia, you want to talk about this one? This sure. sounds maybe familiar.
2: The headline: a Drunk woman chews through police car. Just totally, hmm. totally normal, average Tuesday, <laughs> right? Uh, an American woman went to great lengths to get away from the police. This is from 2014. She was initially arrested for using pepper spray on a couple in Idaho. That's bad. Don't don't ever yeah. do that. Uh, described as quote highly intoxicated after the woman was safely delivered to a detention facility where she had to hang out with some officers and they realized that she had gnawed her way through the upholstery and foam cushioning of the patrol car's back seat. Yikes. Not good. What in the world? I know.
0: I have friends who are police officers and the stuff that happens in the back seat when they pick up folks who... Are not in the best condition, or are not clean, or are just wanting to cause damage and destruction. Uh, I don't want my mouth anywhere near the back seat of a police cruiser.
3: No, no. I agree with you on that one. Mm-hmm.
0: Last, this is uh, of the 14 funny and bizarre things people have done while drunk. Uh, number 12. A vegan drunk driver fined a thousand Australian dollars over two hundred chicken nuggets. <laughs> oh no yeah, uh, that's five dollars a nugget by the way. At the end of last year, a vegan drunk driver caused a commotion at a drive-through after demanding 200 chicken nuggets. Cole Olson, age 30, pleaded guilty to one count of drunk driving at the Hornsby local court in Sydney, Australia, following the incident at a McDonald's car park. I find it interesting that they refer to these as McDonald's car parks. I want to, I want to know what a McDonald's car park looks like. Uh, as reported by the Daily Telegraph, the court heard how Olson had entered the drive through after a night of drinking and promptly ordered 200 chicken nuggets. When the staff explained that his order wasn't available, he yelled, I want my effing nuggets. He then completed four laps of the drive through lane while honking his horn before ordering 200 hash browns instead. Uh, staff obliged his request and charged him 230 bucks for the supersized carb heavy meal. So I want my effing nuggets and I'll take 200 hash browns instead.
3: Oh my goodness. Um, well, thank God he went to a drive through so someone could catch him since he's driving around <laughs> drunk. Which is terrible. But the funny part to me is that he's he's a vegan and apparently his true feelings came out
0: when he was like I want
3: some chicken nuggets
0: (laughs) yeah it's not funny he was driving it it's just funny that he changed into you know so quickly from nuggets to hash browns but uh, thus is the lack of rationality when you are overly intoxicated
2: Absolutely. And once again, we advocate moderation and being safe this holiday season. And that being said, we do have a great cocktail recipe that you guys dreamed up over at Heritage Distilling, which you should enjoy responsibly with your friends this holiday season.
0: The cocktail this week is a riff on the traditional Cape Cotter. We have two ounces of Elk Rider vodka or two ounces of our batch number 12 vodka, whatever you find locally at your store. Two ounces of cranberry sauce. Now, you can substitute that with cranberry juice if you don't want to use the cranberry sauce. A half ounce of lime juice from a fresh squeezed lime, three-quarter ounces of simple syrup, and one fresh rosemary sprig. Take the vodka, cranberry sauce, or juice, And the half ounce of lime juice and the simple syrup, put them in a shaker with ice, shake hard for about a minute. Uh, When you're shaking on your shaker, remember you want to shake it as hard uh, and as long as you can until you can't hold the shaker anymore because it's so cold, it'll get nice and frosty, and then you know the drink is properly uh, shaken. Strain that into a glass over fresh ice, garnish it with a rosemary sprig across the top, and maybe float a couple of fresh cranberries on there. And again, you can use two ounces of cranberry sauce or cranberry juice, whatever you like for texture. The uh, cocktail itself is a beautiful uh, light uh, pink and will produce a little foam and frothiness on top, and it's great and easy to make for this time of year.
3: Oh, with the, if the cranberry garnish and the rosemary sprig almost looks a little bit like pine, it would look so festive. Yeah. I love that.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you can use pine if you want to, uh, again, have that look and uh, give that odor of fresh pine in your house, uh, especially if you have fresh Christmas trees or uh, bows or wreaths anywhere around your house.
2: Perfect for the holiday season, perfect for your holiday parties. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about in the upcoming weeks as we get ready for the holidays all together here. If you want to check out this recipe in particular, that'll be available for you at HeritageDistilling.com, where you can also check out any of the lists and topics we've discussed today on Cast Club Radio. That's at HeritageDistilling.com.
0: That's right. And uh, don't forget, today is December 1st, and you have about 17 days left if you want to order anything online and have it shipped for gifts to arrive at the homes or businesses of your friends and family. Uh, that's pretty much for anybody who shop online, including at HeritageDestelling.com. So plan ahead. Get your orders in now. You know, I remember the last couple of years, weather has slowed a lot of shipments down for a lot of people around the country. So plan ahead. Don't get stuck. And as always, we'd love to see you at a HeritageDestelling tasting room or visit us at Cass Club Radio at Distilling on Facebook. And as always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, go check out Heritage. Heritage distilling and grab either an advent calendar it makes a great party gift or some of that eggnog you mentioned it earlier in the show and i'm already thinking about it so
0: fresh organic eggnog made fresh this week
2: love it and we will see you here next week for another episode of cast club radio
0: cheers Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us
1: out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask
0: Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.